Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm best-selling author and co-creator of realeverything.com, Stacey Toth. I focus on being healthy inside and out through real life, food, and talk. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of thepaleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Welcome back to the Paleo View 398. For those of you that are listening to this in the future, we are still very immersed in COVID-19. And here in the United States, we are at the point at which we have now become the most amount of cases. So Mm -hmm. what we thought we would do today is come up with solutions to help us all cope with the quarantine. As you know, my uh, resolution for the year is to be solution oriented problem solver. (laughs) I think it was a good theme for me this year. Yeah, it worked out. It worked out. It's definitely required right now. It really has. Um, And I'm going to be honest, uh, Sarah and I were talking before the show, um, texting and then also talking before the show. I mean, we we are all in unprecedented times. And um, we thought about doing the show last week and instead we did the sleep show and I said I am not in a mental place to do a show where I'm talking about things we can positively do and cope with because my mental state last week was not good I'm gonna be honest like I was really overwhelmed um and I want to let you listeners know that those emotions especially fluctuation of those emotions is very normal. I've read a lot of things in the internet that talks about this period of time as being a trauma and as being a grief cycle. Like we're grieving a lot of different things right now. And um, with that comes, you know, a roller coaster of emotions. And so you can feel like you have a handle on it one day and then the next day just be, you know, overwhelmed with a completely different wave of emotions. And that is absolutely normal. And what we want to do is help you figure out things that you can focus your attention and energy on in positive ways to help proactively and positively funnel that energy so that if you are in a place where you're feeling overwhelmed, you can do some things that we're going to talk about, hopefully. Um, Obviously, don't don't feel like you need to do everything we're going to talk about. But um, I know that um, doing these things last week um, within a couple of days really helped me and my family get to a much healthier place mindset wise. And so I feel very equipped this week to talk about some of the things that we've done that have helped us. And I know, Sarah, you're going to talk about things that have helped you. And um, it's all also science backed. Like, let's just put that there. We're going to be talking about emotions and things you can do. But all of this is is also based on science because emotional health is just as important as physical health when it comes to um, your overall immune response and all of those things that we've talked about previously. So um, don't disregard these things as not being important because I would argue that this is like front front and center. If you do these things, you might less crave sugar, less crave the things that you're, you know, otherwise drawing you away from healthy habits. It all goes hand in hand. So I'm hoping that it's as helpful for others as it was for me last week. 
One of the things that we've been doing in our home is um, what's sort of like a a chronic adaptation. Um, So we have um, tried to set things up in a way that's sustainable for as long as this shutdown takes, um, while also you know, we've had to do a lot of problem solving. So we've had to do a lot of like, okay, wait, uh, we thought that was going to be the best solution, but it turns out that's not working as well as we'd like. What is the thing that we can do to adapt? And I'll I'll give specific examples as we sort of get into that part of the show. Um, But one of the things that um, I'm certainly finding is that um, this, as you said, Stacey, very unprecedented situation is really challenging my adaptability. Um, you know, I, you know, like I think probably most of our listeners sort of oscillate between um, feeling um, like really uh, calm and centered and prepared and sort of action oriented and then swinging to a very emotional um, sort of uh, sort of peak, sort of anxiety and worry kind of state. And I have definitely recognized that, um, you, you know, while so much of my life is still normal, so much of it is completely abnormal and it kind of colors all the normalcy. Like there's this underlying current that's really hard to... Um, ignore. Like, it's really hard to get a real brain break because um, it's such a dynamic situation and so much is out of our individual control that it can be really challenging to um, take that mental step back and look at my immediate environment and figure out what I can control in my immediate environment. But that is still the action that has been the most beneficial for my family is really looking at, okay, um, you know, here's here's the thing. Our our best tool for um, controlling the coronavirus outbreak, um, so that our hospitals are not completely overwhelmed right now, is social distancing and physical isolation. Uh, we are under a shelter-in-place order. We have been for uh, a week, and we had been sheltering in place for a week and a half before the official shelter-in-place order, and. Um, and the reason why this is required is because we need to slow the transmission. There's actually new science, um, including uh, studies looking at data out of Wuhan, China, as well as um, studies from the Diamond Princess cruise ship that are now showing asymptomatic transmission. And um, and there's now, you know, obviously more data is, is required. I mean, one of the challenges here is that almost no country is testing mild or asymptomatic cases right now. So we don't have like data from across the globe to compile, but um, there have been a couple of studies published now um, or are in various stages of publication showing that asymptomatic cases could represent 20 to 60% of all cases, but that transmission is still possible from those people. And so that information, I think, combined with... um, the still testing challenges um, that basically just about every country is facing. I think it's still true now that South Korea is the only country that has done um, a a like really good job of testing because they have they've done very extensive testing. They've tested the last I looked, they were approaching four hundred thousand tests with under ten thousand positives. Like that total test to positive ratio is not seen in any other 
country. And so that they're very likely capturing the vast majority of their cases, whereas um, most other Western, right, the European countries, North America, um, our testing capabilities right now are still at a level where we're maybe only capturing like maybe as little as 10% of the cases is, is where we're at now. So in the absence of the actual information of who has it and who doesn't and being able to test people who feel fine, the only, the only tool that we have is this physical isolation and social distancing. And I want to make note that I'm, I'm being very careful to always call it physical isolation because it should not be the same thing as social isolation. Um, and, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about ways that we can connect, I'm sure, in this podcast as well. Um, but this is what we have to do to protect the, the vulnerable members of our community. And it could be a long haul. Um, there's lots of experts um, suggesting that we may be able to ease some of these guidelines over the summer but they still don't know for sure um, whether or not the virus will uh, reduce its transmission over the summer or not. Like cold and flu season uh, typically dies down over the summer, although colds and flus don't go away completely. And um, it's thought that there's a combination of warmer weathers, more UV light, killing the viruses, people spending more time outside, and then also school being out for the summer as being a major contributor to slowing transmission. So at this point, we don't know if we're going to get that break. Hopefully we will. Um, but one of the things that, you know, I'm looking at is how, you know, if this does extend to a year or 18 months, hopefully we'll find uh, a treatment before then, and that will be a, a big game changer in all of this. But if this does extend that long, how can I make this time um, uh, something healthy for my family? How can we um, continue our priorities, healthy diet and lifestyle? How can we support our mental health? How can we um, still have social connection? And um, how can we make this isolation, physical isolation, something that is sustainable for that period of time? So we're we're still in this period of, of time, I think, personally, but I think this is um, a, can be broadly more generalized to our entire society right now, where we're trying to figure it out. We're trying, this is not something any of us have ever had to do, or a very, very small percentage of us have ever had to do. And um, and trying to figure out how to do it is, is the, the big challenge, and then adapting to it so that becomes an acceptable norm. I love this idea of um, not thinking of this as social isolation. That's something that um, I've been talking about as well. Um, The other thing that I want to mention, and I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this, is while we're isolated, we're not really alone, most of us. And for those of you that are at home alone, my heart is with you and I hope you have a pet or somebody to um, frequently Zoom or Skype or, you know, FaceTime with or whatever your your video chat is. But I think the majority of people, especially our listeners, are people who um, had some alone time in their lives. And now, at least in my case, I am home with like all of my children all of the time. <laughs> and um, that's a lot. And I, I, I think it's important. It's so many children. 
It's, uh, yes. What was I thinking? <laughs> no, I, I'm going to talk a little bit later in the show about how we've kind of turned the corner. Um, but one of the things that as an introvert, I think like there's a lot of memes and jokes on the internet about like, oh, this is, you know, an introvert's delight. Honestly, it, it, it's not like my children all want something from me all the time. I still I'm working full time from home. And then when Matt gets home, you know, he wants to connect and talk about his day and what he's seeing outside in the real world and blah, blah. And I'm like, what about me? What about me? Like, I just yeah. want time for me. Because as an introvert, like that solitude, that ability to just be quiet and go internal is very important to my emotional and mental well-being. And so I want to encourage you listeners to think about whether or not you're getting enough time for you. We're going to talk a lot about different things you can do and all that kind of stuff. And it it might be worth thinking, not just in the context of how you can connect with others outside of physical distancing, but also like how you might need to take time for you. Because um, it didn't occur to me until a couple of days ago that I wasn't getting alone time because I think we feel so alone. And then I was like, oh, I need to like have pockets of time where I'm not working, where I'm not responsible and with children, where I need, I can just decompress. And even if it's just 20 minutes um, or whatever it is that I build in, like it has been incredible for my ability to be present and um emotionally healthy when I emerge from that cocoon, so to speak, right? Like I'm, I'm a better person for everybody else if I take that time for me. So I just want you to consider whether or not you're doing that for yourself. And we're going to talk all about that. So maybe we should, should dive in a little to some of this stuff. What do you think, Sarah? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, I think it would be uh, most helpful to kind of break this up into different aspects of uh, sort of this new at home life um, and the different challenges. And let's let's start with working from home. So you and I, our, our challenge is a little bit different in terms of working from home because we already did that. And now we're working from home while the house is full of people. Um, and like you, Stacey, uh, I'm also an introvert and missing that um, quiet. Uh, honestly, one of the things that I am missing the most, this is, this is, um, this is going to sound really weird. I, I really miss, uh, going to get into the shower and realizing I forgot a towel and being able to walk down the hallway naked to go get a towel. Like that. That's not weird. That's of... totally normal. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's, I mean, it's just, it's sort of this, um, to me, it's the, it's the um, sort of manifestation of um, not having that time where I'm completely by myself, where I don't need to think about um, how my uh, sort of selfish needs are impacting anybody else. And I don't need to think about which kid is on a, you know, Zoom call with their teachers and what class might be traumatized if I don't put on a house coat before I go down to get a towel. Um, but, but yeah, it's sort of, a, it's a, um, it's a different challenge. And what I'd kind of like to do with talking about working from home is sort of talk about how, how we're handling this piece of the challenge as people who already worked from home, but are now having to do it with, um, with sort of a, a more distracting environment. 
Um, but because there's a lot of people who are working from home now for the first time, and we can also sort of talk about ways that we had set up our work at home space before all this happened to make working from home really sustainable. I have to say, I saw this um, interview with some economist, I don't know who it was, um, on the news saying like one of the the great sort of travesties of all of this is all the people working from home because they won't be as efficient. And I was uh, crazy offended on behalf of all people who normally work from home because I've always been a person who's been very focused working from home. Um, I actually find it easier to work in quiet space. And that's why this has been such a challenge is because, um, I could be working and then all of a sudden I hear, uh, elephant stomping noises from upstairs. And that is not part of my normal focused work environment. So, so let's sort of tackle, tackle all of that. I think, um, one of the big things that we've had to do is set up separate workstations for everybody. So my, my husband's working from home for the first time, and this is completely new for him. And he's needing to learn new technology to be able to do his job from home. Um, he's, um, and, and one of the things that we had to troubleshoot was his workspace. So we had him originally set up in the dining room and because it was too central of a location in the house, was just too full of interruptions, right? Um, a kid comes downstairs to grab a snack and that's an interruption. And, um, and so one of the things that, um, I did, I told him it happy anniversary. Um, even though our anniversary is in August. So I, I still get bonus points for it. Happy Valentine, all the things I found a folding table and completely set up a brand new workstation. I moved furniture in our bedroom in order to make room for a desk space in there so that um, and I moved, I moved, I found a light for him. Um, I found a uh, power cord extender so that he had places to, to plug things in. Um, and it was one of the things that I did over my uh, lunch break last week as I created a completely new workspace for him. And now he has a door that he can close and he's, you know, off in a his own little corner of the house. Um, now I have run into this folding table twice during middle of the night potty trips. So I, I definitely, uh, it's definitely not my favorite thing, but it's working so much better for him. And, um, and so one of the things that we've really had to do with, uh, working from home is assess each one of our individual needs for workspace and try to problem solve around that, which has been, um, you know, it's been a moving target. We're, we're figuring it out. I love that you did that for him. Um, yeah, so <laughs> like, where do I even start? Um, I think it might be hard for listeners to understand what our jobs are. So let me just walk through what a day looks like, because I think a lot of people could identify with this, whether you're working from home or not, right? If you're just trying to like, get through with the chaos of, you know, no schedule and no outings and that kind of stuff with your kids. Um, so for me, I usually wake up after Matt leaves. Like I hear him, I hear the front door leave because he leaves early to go to work. And I'm going to talk about that in a, in, in a minute and how we're dealing with that. Um, and 
then I get up, I have my coffee, and I have usually about an hour, an hour and a half of quiet alone time for me. And I would say five out of seven days, I'm using that to get a lot of work done that I like the fires, like the, I, this needs to get done Mm -hmm. or else, you know? So like, I make sure that the most important things in my plate are, are done in that time frame, time frame. Um, and then from there I decide what two or three things I'm going to accomplish the rest of the day. Um, and obviously if one of them is a big project, I'm just choosing like one big thing, one small thing. If they're, you know, small to medium size, then I'll choose three. But I think what's really important is to set reasonable expectations for yourself on what you're going to accomplish. Because even if you were working from home before, like you said, Sarah, now with, you know, all of the extra people, slower internet, Oh yeah. Like sharing an internet is, um, well, I mean, first world problems, first of all, Yes, but yes. it, it has been, um, very noticeable for me. Yeah, me too. Um, so I, I think you have to set reasonable expectations for what you can accomplish that day, because part of my problem when I was feeling overwhelmed before is I was still trying to have the same schedule and, accomplish the same amount of things that I was doing previously, but now in a completely new environment and a new routine. And it's not that I can't get back to that level of efficiency, because I I do think ultimately by the time my shelter out of place on June 10th is over, P.S. Virginia, WTF, um, <laughs> June 10th, shelter in place here. Um, I think that I can get more efficient now that we have a new routine, but you need to think about this as like, this is, this is new for us. Even if you've been working from home, like this, this is completely different. And so by setting reasonable expectations for myself, I can then kind of figure out the rest of the day. And I can, you know, even if I choose to spend that day, just answering, um, I get a lot of, uh, like text messages and voice messages from, the team that I work with, like hundreds of women just answering questions and different kinds of things like that. I'll choose to sometimes just answer those during the day and really spend that time with my kids to um, do some of the things that we're going to talk about. Um, But then I know that, let's say after dinner, when everybody kind of goes to their quiet corners, then I can get more done. Or on days like today, when I um, have a podcast recording, or if I have Um, online meetings or virtual coaching calls and different things like that. I say when everybody wakes up, when I'm downstairs working and they come down to get their breakfast, um, I say to them like, hey, I have calls from 12 to 2 today. So if you would like to earn screen time during that period, these are the things that I need you to do before that time frame. And um, that has made a huge difference in my effectiveness because before when I just felt like overwhelmed and frantic and like, but I have to do all the things and, and I have to get this done before my calls. And then, and then if I haven't done that, then how am I going to, with the kids and the, you know what I mean? And it just, that's where I was mentally last week. And this week I'm like, you know what, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to tell myself I can do two things a day. And that feels like, okay, I've accomplished something and feel good about the things that you are accomplishing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that just helps you feel better for the next thing. You know what I mean? I've actually really, um, I've, I've really changed my routine, my daily routine, um, in response to the shutdown. Um, so I used to 
like go to the, like get up, get my kids ready for school, drop off my youngest at elementary school, keep going to the gym, get my workout in first thing in the morning, come home and then like work in my sweaty workout clothes, putting out fires as you very, um, very perceptively (laughs) said, I like that phrase. Um, and then once fires are out, I would like shower and get dressed and then get to the other, my other to-do list for the day until they came home. Then I would, you know, ferry kids to after school activities, work while they're in their after school activities. Right. Like, and it, my day was actually very broken up. And one of the things that I've done is I now, um, so we are still living on a, on a routine, Um, We're still going to bed at our normal bedtimes, which means we're all getting up. Like one of the things my husband and I have done is we've stopped setting an alarm clock, but we're actually getting up around the same time because we're still prioritizing sleep so that we're not like, we're not sleeping in every day. We're actually getting enough sleep every day, which is uh, magical and wonderful. Um, And one of the things that I'm doing is I'm now getting to work by sort of seven in the morning, basically is, you know, I have my coffee and I, and I come downstairs and work at some point I take a break to get dressed. Um, but working in my pajamas is pretty amazing. So I'm kind of a fan. I have also completely embraced the lounge pant. This is a new thing for me. Um, but I basically feel like I'm wearing pajamas all the time and, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really digging it. This is, this is definitely going to stay with me for a long time. Um, but what I've started doing now is basically like working a, you know, seven to three type work day. There's obviously interruptions, you know, a kid might need some technology help or, you know, if there's a lunch break in there, we try to sync all of our breaks. So we're having family time during breaks. Um, but then my workout is in the afternoon. So um, then my, 13 year old might join me for a workout, um, or it might be a family walk, but it's been helpful for me because I'm basically, I've put this exercise time at a time of the day where normally my focus is starting to wane anyways. And one of the things that I have generally found actually is that even though there's more interruptions because I've shifted my work day to this very like alert caffeinated time of the day, um, I actually think that I'm being more productive. Um, I also have definitely felt I've had a couple of days where I've had to like, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I need to, I need to stop and bake cookies right now. Like I, um, even though I've had this really wonderful focused time to work on projects, um, I'm, I think I'm, uh, because my stress level is just sort of like overall higher, it's sort of easier to get burnt out is basically what's happening. And I'm being very acutely aware of when I start to feel that um, lack of focus and, um, lack of, you know, basically like the amount that I'm getting done per unit time just starts tanking and being really proactive to adapt day to day. If that happens, what's another great thing that I can do with that time that is productive and wonderful, but isn't going to tax my system in the same way. Totally. I think um, one of the things also that I want to say is our kids feel that way. 
right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think part of the problem that I was having last week was not being mindful that my kids were feeling that same stress and and overwhelm and emotional needs that we're all feeling. I think um, it's it's easy to think of kids as, as being different, so to speak, right? And there's a lot of jokes about like, oh, well, kids are all just happy. They don't have to go to school. But when I was talking to the kids, they were like, I, I really miss playing with my friends. Like, I really miss, you know, being able to go out like and Finn super disappointed that baseball was canceled and, yeah. you know, like different things like that. And, and my they're kids going through the structure, like yeah. my kids just miss the, the routine and the structure of the day. Like that is something that they really thrive in a highly structured environment. A hundred percent mine too. And they will tell you they don't, right? Like my children will tell you that they, they want a free for all and they want a bunch of screen time, but they are not their best selves when they're doing that. Right. So yeah. I had to realize that my chaos last week, especially, like I said, I was feeling overwhelmed, was driving their chaos, which was then feeding into more overwhelm and chaos, right? And so um, we did um, something that we do regularly called a family meeting. Mm -hmm. And our family meetings are very positive. There's never any like punitive. There's never any like um, talking badly about one person in front of others. It's very much... Nobody's taking minutes? No. No. We, okay. we, we <laughs> <laughs> there's not a treasurer. No, <laughs> my, my husband's family, just, this is an aside when they were kids, they used to have family meetings that were to like resolve uh, disputes and minutes were kept. And my husband has like photocopied, like the minutes were divided between him and his brother at some point. And so he has some of the originals and then photocopies of all the other ones. So they actually have all of the minutes of their weekly family meetings from like a three year period of time when they were kids. And it is amazing. It's amazing. That's, it's that so a little too so 1980s. Yes. Yeah. That sounds a little too overwhelming <laughs> for me right now. Our family meetings are often me being like, yo, <laughs> like we need to just calm down. What does everybody need? Um, and so oftentimes it's just like, hey guys, this is what's happening today. Like, let me just tell you, I have a busy day. Today is a podcast day. I'm going to be in my office for two hours. And then I have some meetings and blah, blah, blah. What are you guys going to do? What's your plan? Um, and it's about setting expectation and it's also about listening. And so part of what came out of family meetings is people saying like, you know, I feel this way, or I need this. And um, it made me realize that one of the things that I was doing, and I even mentioned this last week on the podcast, was letting my children have a lot more screen time than they usually have. And I've talked on this show many times before about two of my children having ADD and ADHD and screen time as being a trigger for their behavior because it overstimulates their brain. And then when they're no longer being overstimulated, it causes all kinds of behavioral and emotional issues for them. And so during family meeting where I could tell that people were in that negative headspace that I notice when they're overstimulated, um, I said in a family meeting, 
without being punitive, like, hey, I've realized that I'm using screens as a crutch right now. And we need to physically remove the screens. And that's not to say that they're going to be gone forever. I understand that it's important for you to connect to your friends when you're playing video games. I'm not taking it away forever. But right now we need to physically remove the screens so that we become less dependent on them. And we figure out what our schedule looks like without the screens. And we took like a 24-hour break. And again, I, I did this in a family meeting where I was calm. No one was yelling. Like, it wasn't like, you did this and therefore this, right? It was like, this is what's happening right now. And this is why. Because that's how I parent. I'm, I'm always like <laughs> explaining things so that the kids feel like they're, you know, listened to and respected and, and they can understand and ask questions. And they did ask some questions. And that's when I said, no, it's not forever and blah, blah, blah. And so we took a 24-hour break where we didn't even talk about screens. It was like, it's just gone. And I spent that day focused on being really present with them. My phone was mostly put away. And um, we had a lot of fun reorganizing the pantry. Um, so we, what we decided was that we had a lot of things in our pantry that we weren't eating or using that had been there a long time. And the food banks are all very low on food in our area, probably everywhere in the country. Um, and so we decided that we were going to empty out the pantry together. We were going to decide what we didn't need and we were going to put it in a box to donate. And we played song quiz and we just like had fun and we, you know, um, reorganized. And at the end of it, the kids were like, wow, this looks really great. And they had this like sense of accomplishment and they had this sense of pride and it was amazing. And um, not a single person had asked, like, can I play video games? And so the next day when I needed to work, I had a two hour block. And that's when I said, okay. If you guys want to earn two hours of screen time, I need you to do two hours of work beforehand. And this, these are some of the things you can do. And they chose to do yard work. So they were outside. They were being physically active. They were cool. helping me with a task. They were, you know, getting sunshine and fresh air. And then when, and I was out there with them um, working on my phone and also helping. And then... Um, when it was time for me to come into my meeting, I said, okay, you guys did a great job. Um, you can each use a screen until I'm done with my meetings. And then when my meetings are done, I opened my door and I said, okay, wrap it up. And then that was it. And from then on, we have had such a wonderful balance and like emotional well-being in our house. Um, they don't immediately run to screens. They're playing with each other. I hear them laughing and giggling. Um, I will admit that there was like a wrestling match and one of them went through the wall. Um, <laughs> but like... I honestly look at that as a good thing. Like they're playing together and they're, you know, being physically active. It's can't really get the wall fixed right now. So it's just going to be your new wall. It's, I mean, it's not an important wall. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, they came to me and they were like so worried. And because I was in a better emotional state and because they were in a better emotional state. So they brought it to me. First of all, they didn't try to hide it. And they said, it's you know, we're hard, really hard to hide a hole in the wall. Yeah. Well, I mean, Honestly, I can tell you, like, they could have moved furniture. They could have done a lot. Of, they could have been like, that wasn't me. Like, they, are you kidding me? Um, I have three boys. <laughs> and so um, I, I said, is everybody okay? And they said yes. And, and then I was like, well, I've been expecting that since you were three years old. It's fine. We'll fix it later. <laughs> like, it's fine. And, and I think that's the thing, right, is like, 
if I had had that happen the week before, I would have yelled. I would have been angry. I would have been like, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Instead of seeing it as, oh, you guys were playing together. Like it's, you know what I mean? And so I think whatever is happening in your home, I want to help people get to that point. Um, and for us, it required me to do, do a couple of things and then implement it. Right. And like their perspective completely changed when they saw that they had like an opportunity to earn something instead of this feeling of like negativity and resentment. If I asked them to do a chore, which was like a regular chore and not a help me out project, like, Hey, I need you to do the dishes. It was like resentment and anger that I was interrupting their video game instead of now they're like, Oh, we get a chance to earn video game time. Thank you. So, um, if that's helpful, that's <laughs> that's what's been uh, working for us. No, we don't have school yet. So I know you're going to talk a little bit about school yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So our uh, state um, is our state is weird. They canceled school, and then they brought it back, um, and they said that we're going to have optional online classes starting mid-April, but it's going to be for no mark. So I, at this point, I literally don't know what that means and I'm not worrying about it until mid-April. Like I'm just getting to a point where we're in a groove and we have a routine and we're, we're in a good mental place. Like that is my priority right now. So um, let me tell you what my um, kids' schools are doing because I think that um, one of the challenges that we're having right now as a country is... Um, that every area is sort of doing things a little bit differently. And um, it's also the shutdown is uh, magnifying inequities that were already there. And so um, that's a, a particularly big challenges challenge for schools right now. So our school, um, when they announced that they were closing, it was initially for two weeks with a, we will reevaluate at the end of two weeks um, that then, got extended a week and a half in, they started three weeks. Um, and now I think we're extended until the end of April. I mean, and I actually have to say that, you know, I know you were sort of, you're feeling frustrated that Virginia shut down till June 10th. I have the opposite frustration of, um, it's two weeks. Uh, no, it's two weeks starting now. Oh, no, it's going to be three weeks. Oh, it's going to be two weeks. And so I'm actually finding that, um, level of uncertainty also frustrating. So I think um, the shutdowns are just frustrating because it is disrupting all of our lives. Um, but one of the things that my kids' school did is they had sort of like, we're going to shut down for two weeks, but we want everyone to come in for one more day um, so that we can evaluate who needs to go home with a device that the school owns um, and figure out, right, who needs meals at home, things like that. Um, and uh, make sure that all of the kids are set up with, they all have their accounts actually activated, their passwords for all of accessing everything. And they went to their first two weeks were uh, kind of like a, a, a holding pattern in terms of the curriculum. So they um, weren't doing any new curriculum. Everything was optional. Nothing was graded. Um, but it was activities to sort of reinforce what they had learned so far this year. Um, and basically the idea was, you know, when we go back in two weeks, we, you know, everyone will be still up to date and we can just jump right back in. And of course, as the situation nationally and globally is, um, 
has changed, they're now trying to figure out how to actually, you know, teach new concepts with the, the, they're using a variety of different digital platforms. So they're both, um, they're both schools are using a mix. Um, and that seems to be working well for them, but they're trying to figure out, okay, so how can we teach and how can we adapt to, um, different, situations, right? So you have one family where, you know, two kids and a parent are all sharing one computer. Um, you know, you have, you're like, so what, what can we do? So one of the things that the schools have done is they have, um, asked for donations of any, you know, old devices that you have lying around, um, to get lent to a family that can use an additional device. Um, and they're trying to make the schedule part of it flexible. So they have like optional Zoom meetings with their classrooms, but then they're recorded if there's any instructional time at that time. Um, and then there's also periods of time where the teachers are in front of their computers, they're answering phone calls and emails and various messages through the various online learning platforms that they're using. Uh, and one of the things that they're still trying to figure out is how to finish the year's curriculum, um, or at least you know, be up to date with curriculum if we go back at the end of April and, um, and how to do evaluations. So right now they're, they're even doing, there's still a lot of workbook types type stuff. That's all just being piled up in people's homes that would, you know, at least the idea would be if we went back, you know, each kid would bring a giant stack of work that would need to be marked. And so, um, the, the schoolwork has been very dynamic, um, but my kids have absolutely loved having school from home. So uh, Adele my, um, is in seventh grade, and she has typically about four hours worth of work to do a day. Um, she's had a couple of days where it's, it's been five. Um, and then uh, Mira my, is a fourth grader, my 10-year-old, uh, has two to three hours worth of work. Um and they've basically set up complete, you know, routines for themselves. Um, they get up at their normal time. Um, we have breakfast together as a family. They do half of their piano practice before they go to school. I'm using air quotes, which I don't know why I use air quotes with the podcast, but there you go. Um, and then they're basically doing schoolwork until lunchtime. Adele sometimes has a little bit more to do after lunch. And then they finish their piano practice and they go play outside. And so this is the routine that they've established for themselves. Um, we did ha also, we've had also had a couple family meetings to sort of talk about, um, talk about what the kids need. Uh, we have done some big projects like cleaning up rooms to create better uh, workspaces. I've said it's very different to do 10 minutes or half an hour of homework uh, on the floor in your bedroom versus doing four hours worth of work there. Like that's not, that's not a sustainable way to, to do school. Um, and so it's been, um, I, I'm feeling incredibly fortunate. We had, um, you know, a 10-year-old um, laptop in a closet that we were able to pull out to have um, an extra device so my kids don't need to share. Um, everything they're doing is not requiring a ton of you know, it doesn't need a, a super amazing computer to do. It just needs one that works. And so I'm feeling, um, again, I sort of, I think I said this last week that I feel so much gratitude for, um, for these types of things. I feel so much gratitude for my kids' teachers and their schools and how um, one of the things they're doing is they're creating 
uh, mindfulness content every single day. So the uh, guidance programs through both schools are putting out like a 20 minute lesson. That's a mindfulness lesson every single day. Um, Adele's uh, connection class this quarter is uh, PE and the teacher is sending home at home workouts, but they can basically do anything, but they also have a mindfulness activity every single day as part of their PE curriculum. Um, and so I'm, I really, um, I want to share this in order to kind of show these two different um, situations with at-home learning that Stacy basically, they're still waiting to set it up. And we've been doing it basically for, um, you know, almost three weeks now. And, um, and that there's still, like, we still have so much to still figure out. And, um, and then there's sort of like everything in between. And so, um, overall, I think the the best thing has been the part of this that maintains that structured time for the kids. Um, and if they need a break, you know, like it's all, they, they've set their own routine. And so they both recognize that they need a break. They go run around in the backyard. Um, and, uh, and they're both very mindful about outside time, about activity, and also they're both they're both reading a lot. So um, that's been one of the things. I mean, again, I feel very fortunate that I have two readers for kids. Um, but it's we've had a lot of really neat conversations about like, well, what books are in the house? Am I old enough to read that book? Like, it's um, it's been a it's actually like pushed ahead these conversations about, oh, wait, yeah, I loved that book. Um, I've like even reread an old book that I had forgotten just to screen it for my kids. So, um, so that's been a really good filler of, of time. And then the other thing that my kids are doing is a lot of, uh, arts and crafty type things. Um, and one of the things I've said is, you know, we're not going to be able to visit any family probably for a while, but we could, put a beautiful picture in the mail and send it to them. Um, so that's been another thing that, um, that they've, that they've been doing. So it, you know, we were lucky in the sense that, um, the continuation of, uh, school and an at-home learning, um, environment started us off in this very structured way. And what we've done over the couple of weeks is try to figure out how to sort of lean into that routine and that structure and adapt with more enriching activities. And then in the afternoon, we tend to go, we'll go for a family walk or, um, and, or we've been uh, going through all of the old board games that, um, you know, we've had in the house for 20 years that the kids we've have never played. We introduced them to categories. Um, which the kids think is the best thing in the world. And my husband and I are like, oh, I forgot how hard this game is. Um, they're old enough to be competitive at it. So it's been, um, there's been a lot of, we've worked hard to maintain as much normalcy as possible and take the things that are abnormal and use um, the the time that we have that we're suddenly finding ourselves at home for as much uh, family bonding and enrichment time as possible. Um, 
And and overall, I think, you know, we're going to continue to troubleshoot and adapt. There's going to, you know, obviously, as time goes on, new challenges are going to present themselves. So far, we don't have any holes in walls, which is great. I'm very thankful for that. Um, but we're going to have to continue. <laughs> you, have, you have two girls, not three boys. <laughs> right. Not to say situation. that girls can't rough house, but it's a little different. <laughs> we tend to get more, uh, one of the things that I have discovered in my daily cleaning routine. So I still, every single afternoon, I go around with a spray bottle of cleaner and a disposable bamboo cloth and I clean all the high touch areas. And I have discovered walls that I have not cleaned, uh, in a decade that are, uh, like a different color than the paint because of grimy fingers. So, uh, girls maybe don't destroy things, but they do just like touch everything. Maybe boys do that too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I won't go into detail about all the disgusting things that boys do (laughs) because I love my boys, but that's that's not the podcast. Yeah. Both genders have their strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so um, other things that we've done. I talked a lot about the different kinds of things that we've done. Um, but I, I do want to say that, like, if you're not doing enrichment activities, if your kids aren't, you know, learning new musical instrument or a language, um, I know, like, it's been going around <laughs> some chemist, I discovered you know gravity during the spanish flu or whatever it was and i'm like it's okay if you're not like doing physics at home right now um you can just take the time and space you need to decompress and and spend that quality time with your family and and find your new normal especially if it's going to be through june 10th um i'm still a little hung up on that it was just announced yesterday um matt came home and i told him and he was like he was like, oh, okay. And then about an hour later, he goes, wait, did you say June? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> like it's March. He's like, oh, I, f- I forgot about May. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's two and a half months. Just, just to be clear. Um, anyway, so some of the things, like I said, that we've been doing that have really helped the boys have a sense of accomplishment is um, activities that are... Um, you can see them start to finish, right? And I think a, a lot of what mm-hmm. I was doing was asking them to like help me with chores, like dishes and laundry, which are their responsibilities, and they do earn an, an allowance for that, and they are still doing those things. But um, giving them tasks that they felt like they could own and they could like look at it after and be like, oh, that's cool. Like I said, once we had done that clean out the pantry thing and they all felt really good about it also because we were donating so much food for the food bank and they felt good about that. So other ideas, if you're looking for in your home, like I said, yard work, cleaning out closets, um, donating old clothes and toys. If you are cleaning out closets, um, pulling items from your pantry for the food bank, um, and even reorganizing bookshelves. Like you said, Sarah, one of the things that we've been doing um, slowly, not like a one big project, is um, as the kids have been looking for books, we've been like taking sections and trying to um, zone things because right now our book, we have like a, a loft that we call the library and it's one big, very long wall of books and it's very hodgepodge. It's all over the place. Like my paleo books are mixed up with kids books. And so it's hard to find things. And Wesley and I are on a roll doll kick and we were looking for more roll doll books and 
So we've been taking on the task of every time we go up and look for a book, like, okay, let's take this section. Okay, kids stuff is going to be over here. Cookbooks are going to be here. Nutrition books are going to be here. Um, And that helps us feel like it only took 10 minutes while we were looking for a book to do that. But we've done something while we were doing it. And I think giving yourself wins, whatever they look like, what, you know, like doing your schoolwork or doing an outside activity or going on a walk, they all feel like wins. Just set yourself up for as many wins as you can. Do you want to jump into the next topic before we start rambling again? Yeah. Um, I, I really want to acknowledge the um, challenge of shopping for groceries and other essentials and I've wanted to share a little bit. I know that you and I are, are tackling it a little bit differently. And I thought it'd be really helpful to share what we're doing just to give people ideas of like how to, to tackle this. Um, uh, you know, for me, this has been one of the, the biggest changes to my routine is that we went from shopping uh, three or sometimes four times per week um, to shopping once every week and a half. And, uh, our rule is pick one store and go to one store. And if they don't have it, we live without. Um, and so it's been very challenging in terms of, um, just the, the, sort of meal planning aspect of it. Like what, you know, like I'm, I'm shopping for 10 days worth of groceries instead of, you know, thinking about a week, but not worrying about it because I could always grab a missing item here or there. So our, our normal grocery shopping would be a big grocery shopping on the weekend and then a run out to the store for one or two top up things, you know, a couple times a week and to, to not really have to think about, you know, I, I drive right past the store while my kids in dance class, it's super easy to go in and grab something. Um, and not having that and, um, and having this mindset of, um, it's, uh, we're going to adapt to, you know, what happens when you go to the store and they're completely out of whatever this thing was. Um, and so, one of the things that I found, I went out grocery shopping last Thursday. It was my first time out of the house in 12 days. And um, I wasn't, you know, I, so I'm very up to date on the science of transmission of coronavirus. I was very, um, you know, I had my my plan going in in terms of social distancing in the store, um, alcohol-based hand sanitizer, Um, I, you know, I had, I had the whole plan of, you know, cleaning things when I brought home them home, like how I was going to, um, approach this. I wasn't prepared for how, um, anxiety triggering the experience would be. Um, I found there was, you know, one man in the store who, um, was not practicing social distancing. And I found that incredibly stressful that I would be, you know, standing eight feet away <laughs> along the the wall, the the main produce aisle wall in the store, waiting for the woman on the other side to finish getting her thing, so that I could move down to get what I wanted. And he just walked right in between us and got his whatever it was. And that was, um, I felt safer. I mean, I, I didn't realize how much safer I feel at home until I was out of the home. And I also didn't realize how much the 
um, even though it was like 99% everybody on the same social distancing page, that that 1% person could be so anxiety triggering for me. And, um, and I just found it to be like, it was an ordeal. I'm in part, it was an ordeal because I was putting, I really challenged, I, I think I defied the laws of physics with how much food I got into my cart. Um, so part of it was just the planning aspect of what do I need for 10 days is our goal. And then the other aspect of being really cautious, not to touch my face while I was out, um, to, um, social distance. Um, I went to the self-checkout and the, the woman who sort of works in that area was very nicely disinfecting each self-checkout station between people. I thought that was really great. Like my, my local Kroger was doing an amazing job of, um, you know, really being, um, as cautious as possible with every aspect of how that store was operating. And I expressed also my appreciation to them for working because that's become a, um, it's an, I mean, it's an, it's an essential job, but it's become a job that, um, they're, you know, they're at higher risk of exposure. And I had to express just how grateful I feel to them for continuing to go into work and doing that job. And, uh, just such, I feel such gratitude to them. Um, if I can I just, add to that, I, yeah, I think it's so important to express gratitude to those workers, but, um, mm-hmm. I will also say not USPS because I don't want people to hear me say this and think it applies to them because they are, they are taking care of their people. But a lot of these clerks and people like that aren't getting hazard pay or time and a half for their extra hours or whatever it is. And so one of the other things that we can do to think and um, express gratitude for those people is to reach out to our local supermarkets and say, you know, I had an experience where the person was, you know, wiping down each self-checkout lane and, you know, was super helpful in keeping a distance when helping me with whatever. Like I had this as a very similar experience um, when I went to the store a couple of days ago, exactly as you described how um, more anxiety I walked away with that I wasn't anticipating. Um, It's like that fluctuation of emotions I was talking about. But um, reaching out to the grocery store to to compliment and thank them, but also say, I think it's only fair that these people receive extra compensation for the the work that they're doing, because um, the people who are helping us live um, comfortably, I will say, right? Like, imagine how much worse it would be if we didn't have trash, if we didn't have mail, if we didn't have groceries. Um, I I already want to just shout out to all the healthcare workers, like... uh, huge kudos to the to the risk that you're taking um second that completely a a lot of them took an oath to this right like grocery store workers did not sign up for risking their health to ensure that everybody got toilet paper and flour so um the more we can kind of advocate for them the more helpful it will be i just want to do a little shout out no for sure i and i also just think that expressing gratitude to people as you encounter them from a safe six to eight foot distance, um, I think is also really important. I think that, um, you know, that that's a job that went from, um, that's a job that suddenly became very stressful. Right. And, um, and I think it's really important to express appreciation for 
what those people are doing to help our entire community, our entire society um, continue. Because one of the things that, you know, for example, um, the, the quarantine in Wuhan, China lasted, I, I think it was like 60 days, 50 days. Um, people weren't allowed to leave their house and, um, they're, you know, they had a lot of issues with, you know, running out of food, for example, and, um, we're not going to have that, you know, in Western countries in, in part because, uh, we approach, um, the idea of sort of quarantine very differently and in large part because of, you know, people like, you know, the, people stocking shelves at the grocery store or manning the checkouts. And I, I, you know, I think it's really important to express our appreciation and advocate for them. Um, because what they're doing is, uh, is wonderful. And, um, and they, I, I want them to know that I see it is, is really what I'm trying to say. Um, the other thing you can do is, um, put a letter in your mailbox to your postman. So if you don't see him, if you don't want to come into a six to eight foot range, or, but or post or post woman. Yes. Thank you. Why did I say that? I've been saying carrier on post social media. Person? Yes. It's mm-hmm. because my husband is a man. Let me be clear. It's not because I don't think that <laughs> male carriers are all genders. Like I think of my husband and I say male man. Anyway, um, postal carriers, um, I, t- I will tell you from firsthand experience that Matt got his first, letter. Um, and it meant a lot to him. He's had a lot of people thank him and that means a lot, but, um, you have to be six to eight feet away and it has to be well-timed for you to see them. And so if you're trying to be safe, a letter is something very special that you could do and they could save for later on when they're, you know, looking back on this unprecedented time that for sure will make American history and they can show their grandchildren like, Hey, I, I helped. I did something. I, you know, I delivered the mail for people. So, um, okay. What am I doing? Are we ready to jump into that? Cause mine, mine looks different. I went to the store once and I won't be going back. <laughs> I just, that anxiety <laughs> was too much for me. No, thanks. Not again. <laughs> so, um, I, I want to start off by saying we didn't really get into details on this, but um, one of the things that I looked into both from talking to Matt and going through CDC and FDA websites are um, where the virus can live. And um, it can live on soft things, very low risk. Um, I think, honestly, um, no one wants to say it can't because no one wants to take that risk, but 24 hours, very low risk on soft surfaces. So cardboard, for example, if you got a package and you left it at your front door, which is what we do for 24 hours, um, then when you bring it in or you remove it on your front porch, um, is going to have much less risk of germs. So I know, Sarah, we we talked before the show about how you can either unpackage it outside, put it directly in the outside recycle, come in, wash up, um, or That's you can... What doing. If, for example, for us, like we had a big Thrive box and we wanted to bring it in because it was like a ton of stuff, um, then what we did is we took everything out, then we put the box in the recycle and we wiped down the surface where the box had been. Um, But what we don't need to do is like completely disinfect the box and especially like wipe it off because then you're touching it 
even more, like you're, you're, you're risking even more. So, um, just keeping in mind that this, I put a link, um, in the show notes that talks about, um, the soft surfaces of cardboard being a 24 hour period. So if you know that your mail came at 1 PM on Tuesday, when you pick it up at 1 PM on Wednesday, not only have you like, it was a very low risk to begin with, but now that that period has ended. And so, you know, I hope that then when you're still wiping down your surfaces, like safety is, you know, not, not to be disregarded entirely, you're still going to wipe down the surface it was on, and you're still going to wash your hands, or you're going to put it right in the recycle outside, if it's a, you know, a package that you can open and recycle outside. But I don't want people I've seen so many people on social media, like using 18 disinfecting wipes on huge boxes that they get. And I'm like, why, why, why are we doing that? (laughs) Let's, let's be smart. Let's save our resources and and use them um, for the things that we really might need them for, especially if this thing is going to last a long time. I think there's a way of, you know, I sort of think of because it can survive on paper or cardboard for about 24 hours and on harder surfaces like plaster, stainless steel for two to three days. So I sort of view things as potentially contaminated, but not necessarily requiring disinfection. So I think about I I have been uh, bringing in boxes. I put them on a part of the kitchen counter. Uh, it's, you know, that's cleared off and it's not going to touch things. And one of the things that, you know, the, the, again, the transmission rate is very, very low. Um, so I think about not like banging the box down, which would could potentially dislodge, um, a, a virus that a virus particle that was on it. And I think about, okay, I've touched the outside. So now I might have it on my hands. So I bring the box in, I put it on the counter. I wash my hands. I open the box. Um, I wash my hands. I pull everything out and put it on a different counter. Um, because typically, you know, one of the things that I've, I've been working hard to get in the habit of slow shipping, um, in general, uh, for, since we did our Earth Day show last, what was that last May? Um, that's been, that's one of the changes that I've done just for the environmental friendliness aspect of it. And also because so many people have moved to, uh, shopping online, a lot of online vendors, right? It's not just Amazon. A ton of online vendors have much longer periods of time for fulfillment for orders just because of the volume. So generally the things inside the box will have been in that box for two to three days. If I think that maybe they haven't, I give them a wipe down. Um, but it's uh, that way I'm using, right? So I'm using my same, you know, branch basic spray bottle and, you know, bamboo cloth that I would normally wipe down everything in my house. Um, not going to like crazy levels of disinfection, but also like, Hey, if there's viral particles on here, also they're not adhering strongly. So rinsing anything is going to wash off any, any potential contamination. They're saying, right. If you get fresh produce from the store, if you get it delivered, um, you know, uh, Stacy, I know that you get a produce box um, every week in, at your house. Is every week or every other week? I do um, an every week box, yep. Yeah. So just rinsing fresh produce is sufficient. Um, so thinking about uh, those things, and then I get rid of the box, I wash my hands again, and then I put things away. And so um, I think there's a balance between prudence and how prudent you want to be 
um, is going to really depend on how you evaluate your individual risk. Um, I consider myself to be a sort of moderate risk um, because I've had pneumonia several times since going paleo and autoimmune protocol. Um, I, I see that as being uh, not awesome going into a pandemic virus that causes severe viral pneumonia. Um, and, uh, and so I'm, you know, I'm, I think of it in terms of, um, if this is contaminated, I want to make sure that I'm not touching my hands to it and then touching my face. And then I wipe down the counter wherever the box was. Um, but also this is not a high risk situation. This is not something that is worthy of a ton of infection resources compared to other times where that's going to be called for. Right. So given that packaging, uh, because I, when I started saying that I was getting things in the mail, I got a lot of questions about, well, aren't you worried about the germs and blah, blah, blah. So I'm glad we kind of tackled that. And I hope it gives people assurances about, you know, how, how to handle. And, you know, obviously neither Sarah nor I are medical professionals, but we can say that all of the recommendations that we're giving you are, based on, you know, CDC, FDA, and other scientific references that we've included in the show notes. So um, what I've chosen to do is I restarted my deliveries. I had stopped them over the summer while we were traveling. And so Mm -hmm. I started Hungry Harvest again, which is like a produce. There's a lot of different ones in your local areas. Hungry Harvest is actually no longer taking new customers because they can't handle the volume right now. Um, So, but you're going to need to check where you are, but that is um, a produce box that I am able to customize. So I make sure that we have enough for the week that comes in and then I meal plan. So it's a little different than yours, Sarah, but I would say in both of our cases, what is critical to this time period so that you're not going to the store regularly, like we also used to do, um, is meal planning. And so when I get my hungry harvest, um, I'm able to look at all the different things and I sit down with the boys and we take about 20 minutes and we say, okay, we could make, you know, this with this and this, and we could do this and this and this. And, um, they'll be inspired and they'll say, oh, I remember like this recipe, or sometimes they'll even um, open up cookbooks or we'll get on Pinterest and they'll type in, you know, kale and they'll see what happens. And so like this week um, when we got kale, everybody was really excited because we made Cole Cannon, which is like one of our favorite um, Irish dish recipes. And, um, you know, different kinds of things like that um, to use up all of the things that we have. If we didn't make a meal plan, and we were just kind of like going by the seat of our plants, pants every week, which is what I was doing. Um, dinner wasn't ready in time because nothing was thawed in advance. And then we were all kind of scrambling. But now we're able to know what's coming. It's on the meal plan. And if I'm in a work period around four or five o'clock when dinner needs to be started, I'm able to say because my boys are teenagers and they've been supervised in the kitchen for a long time. Cole has actually um, completed his certification for commercial cooking kitchen. So I'm able to say, hey, can you please go start dinner? And they know where to find the recipe. They know what we're having and all of that is planned out and it makes a huge difference. Um, So that's where I get my produce. I um, 
I restarted ButcherBox. Um, they also have a wait list, but I think if you have previously purchased from them, you can turn it back on because I was able to. Um, we did have a butcherbox.com slash the paleo view um, code. If you want to get a freebie, if you have never signed up before, you can get on their wait list. I just checked online and I think what they're doing is um, filling those one at a time as they're able to. But again, Nobody wants to say that they can get you food and then not deliver it. So a couple of these things, you know, it's unfortunately a little harder to get on them. Um, And then I actually joined Thrive Market for the first time. I hadn't done that before. And again, um, I'll put a link in the show notes if you haven't tried them yet. I think you can. It's just a delayed shipping. Um, Yeah. Their shipping now is running about three weeks compared to um, normal's about five days is sort of like their normal, like if you make an order, you would on a, a weekend, you might get it by the Friday. Um, but they're still, they're, they're doing, I think their right. Their business model allows for scale a little bit easier than something like hungry harvest or butcher box. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're a great option. I've been a member of thrive market for a few years. Yeah. So I I got my box in a little less than two weeks for my first one. And I got a big box because they were talking about shipping delays. And I was like, okay, we're at that point, I knew we were going to be home through mid April. And so I was like, let me get a few weeks worth of stuff. So at this point, I'm going to see what we like a lot because we tried a lot of different things that we'd never tried before that were on the site. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my, my thought is that in about a week, I'll order again, even though we don't need anything, by the time it comes, we will. (laughs) So, um, and then my, my approach is, as I said, um, for the Thrive, I let it sit in the box. um, And then we pulled it out in the house because there was so much stuff. I didn't want to like bring, you know, 40 trips from the porch. Um, but then, um, making sure that we're wiping down the surface and washing our hands and all that kind of stuff. Um, the last thing that I have heard a lot of people having success doing, and again, this is a matter of which you're more comfortable with. Sarah talked about, you know, what she's doing and why for me, I cannot go back into a store again. Like it caused such overwhelming anxiety for me for about 48 hours, thinking about the people working the stores, seeing the empty shelves, like different kinds of things were just triggering for me. And so um, I'm looking at places that do local online ordering with either store pickup or drop off. So um, something like Instacart or um, Whole Foods is still doing like their local delivery. If you have Amazon Prime, there's a lot of different kinds of places like that um, that can, um, I think even like Walmart and Target, you can order things on their Mm -hmm. websites and then they'll bring them out to your car um, so that you're avoiding personal interaction. But you need to be mindful that if that person was asymptomatic that we talked about, right, they could have the germs. So you need to think about what have they touched? What has, you know, been touched and how, what kind of surface is it? And how do I need to treat that? And if it's not fresh, like fresh food that needs to be refrigerated, the best thing is to really just let it sit for that one to three day period, depending on what kind of surface it is, so that you don't have to worry about dislodging any germs. That's my, that's been my approach. Yeah, I actually, um, even though I found grocery shopping in a store incredibly triggering, I did find it um, better for my own personal, where my brain goes in terms of the anxiety of, you know, catching COVID-19, um, 
I still found it better than delivery, but I think that that's a very individual, um, that's a very individual challenge. I know I have a lot of neighbors who are getting all their groceries delivered. Like I think it's the reason why I, I really wanted to make sure that we're sort of sharing the, the, our different approaches and what granted there's a, a fair amount of overlap in that Venn diagram. Um, I think is I wanted to sort of empower people with different ways of approaching it and different things to think about depending on which, which way makes the most sense for you, depending on where you are. Um, and depending on what makes you feel more comfortable. And I think that's a really good segue into the last thing I kind of wanted to address in this episode was just what we're doing for our own mental health. Because I think, um, one of the things that, um, Stacey, you and I have, have both experienced with, uh, this pandemic is, um, you know, as both people who have had, uh, or have a history of anxiety, that um, this has definitely been a situation where there have been moments where my anxiety has kicked up in high gear. Um, and as as much as, you know, I, after my health crash last fall, I've spent, um, you know, I've spent basically the last six months changing the structure of my life in order to prioritize my mental health. And I'm awfully, again, feeling a lot of gratitude that I'm going into this, having had that time to really prioritize mental health. But this has been a huge mental health challenge uh, for me personally. I know it has been for you, Stacey. And um, my guess is that it is for a fairly large proportion of our listeners. Yeah. And and like I said, that's a hundred percent normal. You can, if you need to feel better about it, there's so many articles on the internet about why we're all feeling that way. Um, and you know, why you might be feeling different than somebody else. And that's totally fine. You might feel different today than you felt yesterday or tomorrow. Like just give yourself grace to feel all those feelings and to be okay with it. So, um, I would say for me, um, I talked a lot about creating routine, creating quality time, creating um, reasonable expectations for myself, also creating um, alone time for myself for self-care. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the things that um, I've been trying to do more of for both myself and having an opportunity for my boys to do this is enjoying things that we don't really get to do very often. So um, for example we've been baking. Like we don't, I, I don't want to say we don't bake, but it's not like it's, it's something that is top of mind that, oh, we could do this as a creative outlet today. Um, and so Finn especially loves to bake. And one of the things that I've been doing with him is baking with him, but then saying, okay, now instead of a quarter cup, do that measurement in tablespoons or vice versa to get him to think <laughs> through, yeah. um, uh, practicing fractions. And, um, it's funny, like they all joke about it and they're, you know, and I'm like, it's, it becomes a fun thing that we're doing together. And, um, because I'm doing it with him, we're able to do a little more complicated recipes. So, um, for his birthday, which was last week, depending on, yeah, last week, um, he wanted to make homemade gluten-free jelly filled donuts and I was like okay um unfortunately right unfortunately the yeast that we had was expired and so they came out like hockey pucks and it wasn't delicious at all but we loved 
doing it. Like there were so many components of it, like, okay, and now we need to make sure that the um, oil that it's frying in is at the right temperature, read the temperature thing. Okay. Now, you know what I mean? There's all kinds of math and science and baking. And it's, it's something that's creative that was um, fun for us to do together. Um, I've also been taking more um, hot tubs because actually the stress of last week caused my back to flare. Um, and, um, that helps my back, but it's also very calming for me to be in there by myself and have some of that alone time. If you don't have one, taking baths or doing some sort of self-care like facial masks or I painted my own nails. Um, normally I go to salon. Obviously that's not happening, right? Like finding pockets of things where you can enjoy the process of doing something you don't usually do. Like try to enjoy that being... Um, different and unique and something you can spend time on right now. Do you know what my brother challenged me to do? So one of the things that I've been doing for my mental health is actually making sure to have phone calls with my family, video calls when possible. I've actually reconnected with a friend from high school. Like it's, I've been trying, um, trying to maintain uh, social connection and especially one-on-one social connection, right? Not just uh, throwing up a post on, on social media and seeing who likes it. And uh, my baby brother and I, we, so uh, all three of us, my, I have two little brothers, we grew up playing violin. And uh, my baby brother and I have at least one phone call a week. And he said, uh, hey, do you want to relearn how to play the Bach double concerto for violin? And I was like, uh, yeah, I do. You want first violin or second violin? <laughs> and we were literally like comparing, like, well, I said, I only have first violin in the house. I'm sure, I'm sure I can download a PDF of second violin. And so we have committed to pulling out our violins and practicing with no particular deadline, but basically so that we can get to playing this uh, double concerto together over a video call, which... Um, is it growing up playing a musical instrument and then um, I think it's a pretty common experience to sort of let it slide, but not slide enough that I ever want to like not have a violin around. So I always, you know, my violin has followed me across the planet. Um, but it's always been on my like uh, life sort of bucket list is to sort of like re- um, like brush that up. Right. And like relearn what I used to be able to do. And I've always sort of thought like, you know, maybe that'll just be the thing that I do when I retire and I'll find some little community, you know, string orchestra to join. Um, and I'll have something like that, but this little challenge of, you know, brush up this, this old, you know, skill, this old hobby. Um, and especially because music was such an important part of my upbringing and my my girls both play piano. It's a very important part of my family life now. And to bring it into my life in that way where I'm actually working on something, um, I'm again, I'm, I'm really excited about. I think um, I think it's gonna be a huge <laughs> that piece is not an easy piece. I think it's gonna be a huge challenge and I think it's gonna be um, I think it's gonna be really nice. What I like about, one of the things that I've been trying to do is give myself things to do that require my whole brain. Um, 
now most of the the writing that I do, I'm I'm progressing still on uh, really deep science blog posts that I'd already had planned. Um, I'm actually pulling together an ebook on the gut microbiome because this whole process is, uh, of COVID-19 is also going to delay publication of my microbiome book. Um, I'm still working on projects like that, that re- require a ton of focus and require my whole brain, but I'm also trying to give myself hobby time that is very similar where that hobby is taking taking my whole brain so that I can't perseverate on negative things. I love that you guys are doing that music stuff together because I feel like it's so much harder if you try to take on something yourself. So um, I definitely think that um, finding a a group to collaborate with, like my neighborhood is doing a, um, oh gosh, I'm going to say this and then I'm not going to remember what it is. They're doing a simple tools challenge. Um, so let's see, hold on. It's a cut point, Matt. Hold on. I think that might be our first one of the episode though. It is. Okay. So my neighbors all have, we have like a text, um, group together. You know, I've talked before about, we do game nights and stuff like that. So, um, if you have like a Facebook group for your neighborhood or something like that, this might be fun or whatever your personal network and circles are. But one of them sent out, um, an image of something called a Rube Goldberg machine. Sarah, have you heard of this? Yeah. So my 10-year-old, one of her at-home science projects is to create a Rube Goldberg machine. So, um, I mean, you've met my family, right? This is the kind of thing that we do for fun. <laughs> Let's create a Rube Goldberg machine with whatever uh, simple machines like levers and ramps we have in the house. Yes. So it's essentially um, making something out of the six simple machines to accomplish something because we don't have school right now. This was like a thing that yeah. everybody and and there's it, also a book club. It's also like we're all accomplishing a very simple task in the most complicated way possible. Like that is the <laughs> goal that, it, I mean, I'm not excited. That is the actual goal of a Rude Goldberg machine is to make something very simple, like, you know, putting a lid on a cup, take 10 different steps and make it as complicated as possible in its automation. Well, my point is <laughs> we're, doing this and then taking videos and sending it to each other. And I don't know who's going to be the judge, but, um, you know, doing things together are make you feel a little less alone. Like we're all alone together. So, um, I think finding ways to, um, not overwhelm yourself, right? Like the, the overall message that we want to make sure you understand is that you, you want to set yourself up for success long-term. This is not something that's going to end next week. So set yourself up for success and, um, do things that you can sustain and not, you know, get yourself overwhelmed and certainly ask for help. What I will be doing because when school starts in the middle of April, like I have no idea because my kids are in three different levels of like three different schools and, um, the way that the information has come out from the board of supervisors is very unclear because it's like a optional no mark quarter. And so I'm like, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? Um, I will be reaching out to the teachers. I already reached out to one. I'm going to reach out to the other two and say like, help me understand expectations here. Like what, what is it that you think I should be doing? 
I use the word should, but um, help me understand what I'm expected and what my kids are expected to do um, so that I can feel um, confident in my approach. And also I told that teacher, like, I'm not going to be doing X, Y, and Z. Like, that's not something I'm capable of. That's not something I'm good at. And she was very assuring and saying, no, it's my job to teach your kids. And, you know, I just need you to do blah, 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 blah. And so that was helpful for me as well. So if you need to reach out and ask for help from, you know, whether or not it's the school teacher or whether or not, you know, it's your employer because you're feeling overwhelmed with, you know, the things that you need to accomplish while you're working from home or, you know, whatever it is, whoever it is, like call your parents, call your best friend, call your sister, vent to them about, you know, your frustrating day. Everybody is going through the same thing. We have nothing to feel like guilty or shame or anything about. Like, honestly, people want to hear that they're not alone in these feelings. And so you reaching out and telling someone, I just need to vent is probably going to make them feel better too, right? Like don't, Mm -hmm. I would say, be careful of being in a negative mindset where you're just like, you know, it should be this or it should be that. And, you know, if you find yourself using those words about like what you think should be happening in the world, that's a little different than um, a productive vent session, I think, which is like, I'm frustrated because, and then someone can listen to you and maybe help you see a perspective of, okay, let's, what can we do to help you be less frustrated? So we can't change the fact that there's, you know, a shelter in place in Virginia until June 10th. I'm going to need to move past that. I'm going to need to take one day at a time. Um, And I think a lot of the things that I'm doing right now make that um, more um, palatable for me than if I had heard that last week. I, I don't, I yeah. don't, I couldn't have, you know what I mean? And so hopefully these things are helpful for you <laughs> to feel better um, because you might feel great today. I'm probably going to have to come back and listen to this podcast in a couple of weeks because that's just the cycle <laughs> we're on. Well, and um, I, I think the, the note that I want to, to wrap up on is that we are all in this together. This is a, um, global and, um, a global community wide effort to protect the vulnerable in our communities, to protect our healthcare workers. Um, and we're going to get through this. It's going to be one of those things where, you know, we tell stories to our great, great grandkids about it. Um, and my approach to all of this is, Um, It's okay to make iterative progress on the adaptation to this new, but it will be temporary reality. And so um, I want to sort of encourage everyone to, um, even if one of the ways that Stacey and I are approaching uh, this time in physical isolation differently, if one of the ways that we're doing it is not necessarily applicable to you is to try to take a step back and look at the challenge um, to find a creative solution that will work in your life because um, this is what we're all sort of all we're all challenged with we're all challenged with this new normal that requires um, adaptation it requires self-sacrifice um, but it is all something that we are doing together for the greater good Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in. Um, Thank you for 
however it is you're contributing to society right now. And we will be back again next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.